Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. And for our scripture reader, we have a very special guest. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Linus, thank you for doing our reading. <laughs> we are not going to have Charlie Brown, however, give the sermon. <laughs> Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you came to the hard places, the hard places in our hearts. You have come to save us, to rescue us, to love us, and we say thank you. You've come to give us hope and joy and peace. We say thank you. Lord, we thank you that we can partner with you and, and share the joy of knowing Jesus with others. And we thank you for what this church is able to do as a group, but also what we can do as individuals when we give of our time, we give our talents, we give of our treasures, Lord. We pray you bless them and use us to bless others. Lord, we're mindful that right now the world is not a peaceful place. And we pray in the turmoil that we see around us that those who know Jesus would be able to share him with those who are in pain, those who are suffering, those who are hurting, those who have had loss. We pray that the temporal things that have been lost will lead people to embrace the eternal things that can never be lost. Lord, as we look in your word, we now ask for the Holy Spirit to come, to fill us, to teach us, to guide us, to change us, to mold us into Christ's likeness. I humbly ask for the Holy Spirit to speak through me words that honor Christ. And we ask all these things for the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. In 2011, an Australian couple by the name of Janine and David Richards decided to set a record. And so they put out as many Christmas lights as they could around their residential property, and they set a Guinness Book of World Records for the numbers of Christmas lights on a residential property. But they wanted to do more. So the next year, they put out even more lights. They put out 31 miles of Christmas lights, over 502,000 LED Christmas lights for a new world record. Their electric bill also hit a world record. <laughs> 
It went up, I don't know if it was a world record, but it went up to $2,300 a month. Those of you who live in Hawaii and run your AC can probably relate to that. And I've been told allegedly that their lights could be seen from space. I doubt that, but who knows? But just one year later, in 2014, there was another family, the Timothy Gay family, and they wanted to beat the Richards family record. And so they put up 601,000 Christmas lights. And so they now have the record. But that wasn't good enough. The gay family decided in 2021 that they would beat their own world record, and they put up 687,000 Christmas lights on their property, plus 250 songs choreographed with 2,000 displays controlled by computers. So my question for you is, how many Christmas lights have you put up? (laughs) It's funny. Consciously or subconsciously, we are always trying to improve Christmas to make it better. Your Christmas letter this year, oh, it's going to be better than the one last year. The photo of your family, your Christmas photo, well, you want it to be better than last year's photo. And your Christmas tree, who goes out to get a smaller tree? You want a bigger tree, a fuller tree. And presents. If you can't have more presents this year, you want more expensive presents. And not just more expensive presents, you want presents that you actually like and want. Last year's Christmas program was wonderful. But we hope that this year's Christmas program with the children will be even better. And Christmas Eve, that sermon, okay, it was okay last year, but this year your mainland family is coming. So you want even a better sermon from the pastor, right? Both consciously, did you say amen? (laughs) Both consciously and subconsciously, we keep trying to improve Christmas. And quite frankly, when you look at that first Christmas, it looks like it could use some improving. I mean, you got an untimely birth. Kind of like even though God had all the eternity past the planet, uh, he didn't get lodging. And then there's that animal-infested birthing room. And there are the smelly, unkempt strangers that show up. And then there's an entourage of royalty that shows up, and they get there a year or two late. It seems like Christmas needs some improvement, that God could use your help. More lights, more presents, more spiked eggnog. (laughs) And such thinking that Christmas needs improvement reveals the fact that we have misunderstood the purpose of Christmas. So what is the purpose of Advent or the purpose of Christmas? Well, we can find certain aspects of the gospel in the gospels of the Christmas story in Matthew and Luke, but we also can find the Christmas story in the epistles. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul very briefly tells us the purpose of Advent. Look at what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Apostle Paul writes, it is a trustworthy statement. You can believe this. It's true. Deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world. 
Well, that's Advent. That's Christmas. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. That's the purpose of Advent. Among whom, the Apostle Paul says of himself, I am foremost of all. And here is where we need to stop for a moment, to pause, to reflect, to draw some conclusions on the purpose of Advent. We're going to look at three lessons that we can learn about Advent. And if you're in the room, we have some sermon outlines by the door. If you're watching online, they're available on our website. Here's the first lesson. Number one, don't try to improve Christmas. Let Christmas improve you. Don't try to improve Christmas. Let Christmas improve you. Jesus came into the world not so that we could throw a big party and celebrate and think about ourselves more than we think about him. Jesus came into the world to fix us, to fix you, to fix me, to rescue us from ourselves. We all need improvement. And if for some reason you doubt that, just turn and look at your spouse and ask them. <laughs> and if you don't have a spouse, you can ask your roommate. And if you don't have a roommate, you can ask your coworker. And if you don't have a coworker, ask your older sister. I had three older sisters. They'd be happy to tell me how I could improve. And if you're on the opposite end of the spectrum and you think you're so far gone that no one can help you, that your situation's hopeless, that you are just too rotten or too messed up or too damaged for anyone to help you, I remind you that the Apostle Paul has already claimed the position of the worst person on the planet, and he put it in the Scriptures. He says, I'm foremost of all. He also, in other translations, it it's, says he calls himself the worst of sinners. Other translations, he calls himself the chief of sinners. And one translation puts it this way. He calls himself the number one sinner. So I don't know how bad you are this morning, but that's why Jesus came. He came. He was born. Christmas happened because you, I, we need to be rescued from ourselves, from who we are on the inside. We need to be radically changed. So don't try to improve Christmas. Let Christmas improve you. In 1843, Charles Dickens wrote what has become a Christmas classic. The title is A Christmas Carol. And you know the story, perhaps. It features Ebenezer Scrooge, and he is a penny-pinching miser in the first degree. And Scrooge cares nothing about other people except for the money he can exploit from them, the money that can be made off of them. And he especially hates Christmas. He detests it. He views it as, and I quote, a time for finding yourself a year older and not an hour richer. But then something happens. Through a series of, of dreams... His heart is changed. That dead heart comes alive. He becomes extremely generous. And by the end of the story, Dickens tells us that Scrooge had become, and I quote, as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the old city knew. Charles Dickens 
A Christmas carol illustrates the purpose of Advent. A changed heart. And unless your heart has been changed by Christmas, you have totally missed the purpose of Advent. That brings us to our second lesson, number two. Number two, recognize that the purpose of Christmas, the purpose of Advent, is a changed heart. The purpose of Christmas is a changed heart. Notice in the book of Acts, chapter 2, what happened when the apostle Peter preached to a group of unbelieving Jews, and he preaches about Jesus, the purpose of Advent. Acts chapter 2, we're going to pick it up in verse 36. Verse 36, Peter says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard him, they were pierced to the heart. Something happened in their hearts when they realized that they had murdered the Messiah. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Every time you hear a sermon, you should ask yourself, what should I do? And so they heard Peter's sermon. The Holy Spirit convicted their hearts, and they realized there had to be a change in their behavior. So Peter said in verse 38, repent. And let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hearts are changed. Lives are changed. Actions are changed when people encounter the purpose of Advent, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, to save us. Unfortunately, the purpose of Advent, the true meaning of Christmas, has been lost to the world. And that is why Christmas is celebrated by atheists in China, celebrated by Muslims in Malaysia, is celebrated by Buddhists in Japan. And I know that because I have been in all three of those countries during the Advent season and arriving in the airport of Malaysia, there is a sign that read, Merry Christmas in a Muslim nation. The purpose of Advent, when you strip it of its meaning, when you replace Jesus with a blow-up Santa Claus, when you think the spirit of Christmas is found in a bottle of Jack Daniels rather than in your heart, you will find that the joy of Christmas is a facade to you, is temporary, that it won't last because you have missed the purpose of Christmas which is a changed heart. And only Jesus can offer you that. And if your heart hasn't been changed, then you actually haven't experienced Christmas. Actor Mel Gibson was raised a devout Catholic, but at the age of 18, as many teenagers, he walked away from his faith. But then he found himself at age 33 rich, famous, enviably good-looking, and completely without hope 
Emotionally, he had hit rock bottom. On the outside, he may have looked good, but on the inside, he desperately needed someone to rescue him. So Mel Gibson went to his father, a deeply religious man, and he asked his father, he said, Dad, is there ever a time where there is no hope? And Gibson's dad, whom he greatly respected and had always been truthful with him, said, no, son, there never is a time where there is no hope. After that conversation, Gibson fell to his knees, and he poured out his heart to God. He recognized that he desperately needed a changed heart, and God was the one, the only one, who could do that. On that first Christmas morn, the best news ever went out to the first group of poor, dirty, and smelly, uneducated, irreligious outcasts who really needed to be rescued. Back in Luke 2, that was read earlier by Linus, Luke 2, verse 8, it says this, verse 8, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Notice in this passage that the coming of Jesus and the rescuing of people go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. A Savior, a rescuer has been born and his name is Jesus. If you want to know what someone truly believes about Christmas, just listen to what they talk about during the Christmas season. Verse 12, and this will be a sign for you, the angels say. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Did you notice that the angels couldn't talk about Christmas without talking about Jesus? Let's continue, verse 15. And it came about that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Notice, just like the angels, the shepherds couldn't talk about Christmas without talking about Jesus, about talking about the Savior. If you want to know what someone truly believes about Christmas, listen to what they talk about during the Christmas season. Now, remember, these shepherds were shepherds. They weren't priests. They weren't prophets. They weren't professional speakers. They weren't paid ministers. They were men of the lowest, on the lowest rung of the social ladder. 
They were uneducated. They were ill-dressed. They were ill-mannered. They were ill-prepared for evangelistic ministry, and yet they were the first people chosen by God to proclaim the purpose of Advent. A Savior has been born. They couldn't talk about Christmas without talking about Jesus. Think about the irony of that. We could talk about Christmas all the time and never mention Jesus. And yet they couldn't talk about Christmas without mentioning Jesus as our Savior. Which brings us to our third lesson today. Number three is this. Celebrate Christmas by talking about Jesus. Celebrate Christmas by talking about Jesus. It's impossible, actually, to truly talk about Christmas and leave Jesus out, the one who saves us, because that is the story of Christmas. So celebrate Christmas by talking about Jesus. After meeting with his father, after falling on his knees, after pouring out his heart to God, Mel Gibson decided to put on film what Jesus had come to mean to him. He had to talk about Jesus. So he wrote and he directed that monumental film, The Passion, depicting the suffering and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for our sins. And I don't want to ruin the end of the movie for you if you haven't seen it, but you need to know that Jesus doesn't stay dead. <laughs> he raises from the dead. He pays for our sins. He saves us. And Mel Gibson couldn't keep quiet. Now, I'm not recommending you make a film, though. Maybe you should. I don't know. <laughs> but the story of Christmas is totally incomplete if you leave out Jesus. And you leave out Jesus as the Savior. And you leave out Jesus as the Savior of your heart. This Christmas, I want you to remember these three things. Number one, don't try to improve Christmas. Let Christmas improve you. Number two, this Christmas, recognize that the purpose of Christmas is a changed heart, your heart. And this Christmas, celebrate Christmas by talking about Jesus. Would you pray with me? I invite you to bow your heads, even if you're watching online. So you can have a private moment. Let's pray. And would you still listen as I talk for a moment? How do you know if you have a changed heart? You know it by what you believe, by what you say, and how you act. If your heart hasn't been changed by Jesus, I urge you right now to place your faith in him. You can do that through a simple prayer by saying something like, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you conquered death and rose from the grave. And I choose to follow you when I ask you to come into my life, to fill my life, to fill my heart, to change my heart, to save me. 
I ask you to give me the Holy Spirit who will empower me, who will instruct me, who will guide me. I thank you for the gift of grace, the forgiveness of sin. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we continue to pray as Christians, we pray that you would give us such a love for Jesus that this season we can't celebrate Christmas without speaking about Jesus and what he's done for us. Bless our gatherings with friends and family members. Bless our time alone as we think of what you've done for us. And we pray all these things in the beautiful name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.